listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello and welcome to Six Figure Dog Business on Pet Life Radio. I am your host, Ty Brown of SixFigureDogBusiness.com. Now this is the show where we teach you how to start or grow your dog-related business to a healthy six-figure per year profit. Now today on the show, I'm really excited because we've got a guest with us. And again, one of the great advantages of listening to this show is I'm going to bring to you guests from outside of the dog industry, outside of the pet industry to teach you some of the most advanced techniques for growing your business. And so if you've ever wanted to give yourself a raise, this is the show that you need to be listening to. So stay with us because when we come right back, we're going to be speaking with Dale Furtwängler. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Buster, you're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition, I guarantee it. Petco, with healthy pets go. Enter the code SFDB10. SFDB, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. Whether they're big, small, hairy, or whatever, you're going to need gear for your feet. And Kids Foot Locker's got all the great shoes and gear that'll get you in the game. Go to kidsfootlocker.com. Enter the code AFSIX1KF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFSIX2KF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at kidsfootlocker.com. And cover those funky feet. Like your business to reach out and invite in our audience. We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20 second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. Is the best, most cost effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website petliferadio.com. Click on sponsorship information. There you can listen to a sample of Info Seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are. Available. Welcome to PMS, Pet Marketing Strategies for the Petpreneur on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Karen Barnett, PMS. I know it's a bit of a strange sounding name, but believe me, there's nothing more strange than a marketer going into the pet business who doesn't know marketing, marketing strategy, or how to negotiate the web, social media, Google, Facebook, search engine optimization, and traditional marketing, PR, advertising, how to build a pet business. Or have a business plan. So how do you get into the world of pet marketing and get the word out there about your business? Stay tuned to PMS Pet Marketing Strategies for the Petpreneur. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
Okay, and we're back, and with us on the show today is Mr. Dale Furtwangler. Am I saying your name right, Dale? You sure are. Okay, gotcha. And so, uh, before we get started, Dale, why don't you just give us a brief bio of who you are, what it is you do, and uh, you know, kind of let these business owners hear your story. Sure. I started out as a CPA, believe it or not, and providing CFO services to a lot of different businesses in corporate, and then started on my own 22 years ago. And one of the things that I discovered very quickly is that most businesses are severely undercompensated for the value they provide. In fact, their greatest investment in marketing dollars and production capacity were typically in their least profitable lines. And the obvious question was, well, can we raise prices? And I would show them how to do that. So I kind of stumbled into this whole pricing thing. It wasn't a grand plan. Just kind of stumbled into it. And uh, that is the exact reason why I wanted you on the show. And I'll give a little background of of what spurred me to look for your expertise. I was having a, a conversation in uh, on Facebook a little while ago with a bunch of other pet professionals, people in the industry, and uh, the question was raised: How do you set your prices? And almost everybody on there was saying, "Oh, you know, I just try to look at what my competitors do, and I go a little bit less. I try to look at what uh, the other one does, and I, you know, I'll go ten percent less or five percent less." And I went on there, and I was a little bit lambasted for doing it, but I went on there and said something to the effect of, my prices you know, for my company are about double of what my competitors are, and we stay very busy. And so and my response was, you know, raising your prices is one of the best ways to give yourself a raise. And uh, I was met with a lot of resistance. And so let me ask you that first off. You know, is this resistance that you see quite often? All the time. Yeah, I get exactly the same resistance that you're getting. And the thing that people don't realize is that when they send a marketing message that says, I'm better than my competitors, I'm better than any other dog trainer out there or any other veterinary out there, whatever, for these reasons, and then they price at or below the industry average, they're confusing the buyer. The buyer doesn't know what to believe. They don't know whether to believe the marketing claims or the price. And Human nature being what it is, we, we're skeptical by nature, so we're going to trust the price. By pricing yourselves congruent with the level of value that you're providing, you make it easier for the buyer to understand that value proposition and to trust it. Okay. Now, uh, you mentioned value proposition, and, and you know, in marketing, that's a term that we use a lot. But why don't you define that for our listeners and, and explain how the value proposition is directly related to the pricing that they're, they're asking for? Well, again, one of the difficulties in pricing is that people look at all the benefits they provide and they, they really don't know how to assign a value to them, much less the synergies that exist among all those benefits. But in reality, there are really only three things that any business sells, image, innovation, or time savings. And I don't care what industry you're in, those are the three things that people are buying. And when we look at things that way, we, we begin to see that, number one, any benefit that we can come up with will fit into one of those three categories. Number two, that we have readily available buyer data to show us exactly how much people are willing to spend for each of those. So, for example, okay. with the image, and we'll take a large ticket item. I can buy a Chevy Aviol sedan for about twelve five, but the smallest S-Class Mercedes sedan is going to cost me 90000 plus. So buyers have demonstrated a willingness for image to pay seven and a half times or more what the lowest price alternative is. 
on a smaller ticket item like a sweater, I can go to Walmart and get one for about 10 bucks. If I go to Nordstrom's, it's $120, $140. So we can do that with innovation. We can do it with time savings. But the key is that there is a spectrum there from the low end to the high end. And the key is understanding where on that spectrum we want to be. Again, using the Walmart and art store, do we want to be Walmart? Do we want to be Target? Do we want to be Pennies? Do we want to be Macy's? Do we want to be uh, Nordstrom? And where we feel most comfortable, where we feel like we can provide the greatest value, that's the market we should go after. But then we have a very clear value proposition because it's a blend. Of, you know, we know what level of image is important to that buyer. Okay, and so let me ask you that question then. I mean, you're talking about, you know, do we want to be the Walmart, you know, the low-priced leader? Do we want to be the Nordstrom's, the high-end? Do you ever recommend to any of your clients to try to be the Walmart, to try to be the lowest price, to, you know, to try to come in on the lowest level? No, it, in fact, on my uh, Pricing for Profit blog, it's uh, pricingforprofitbook.com, I beat up on Walmart regularly because the low-price strategy will ultimately fail. And I get Walmart thrown into my face all the time when I'm doing presentations or interviews saying, well, yeah, but look at Walmart's success. And there's no question they've had a longer run than anybody else. But the key to that run has been the fact that they have one of the most effective data capturing systems in the world. And they know specifically what buyers are buying on a store-by-store basis. And they stock those stores along those lines. What they're experiencing here in the U.S. is for the last six or maybe seven consecutive quarters, they're experiencing declining sales. Hmm. And that's ultimately what happens with a low-price strategy. Number one, there's a floor below which you can't cut the cost anymore. And there's also a point at which price buyers are looking for value items that you're not providing because you don't have the profits in order to be able to provide those things. And so, you know, you end up somewhere along the line experiencing that. You can't drop the prices anymore because your cost can't be reduced any further. And so, you know, for for us as pet professionals, I think, uh, you know, the way to apply that is if our prices are too low, we can't afford to hire anybody. We can't afford to do any advertising. We can't afford to, you know, provide any extras. And as a result you know, we're going to end up with kind of that junky feel that maybe some of us, uh, maybe I shouldn't name names, but, you know, some of those old retail stores that Walmart beat up years ago. Is that kind of what happens if we price ourselves too low? Well, when you, yes, when you price yourself too low, then people become suspect of the quality. Even if it's there, they suspect that it isn't, especially if you're priced below the industry average. And let me give you a an example that's not related to your industry, but it's going to answer this very question for you. Before the subprime debacle, I had a residential home builder who spent 45 minutes telling me why his quality was better than the big boys in the industry. And then he told me he was pricing at 10% below the industry average. So I asked him to imagine that he and these two other builders were all in the center section of the real estate portion of the paper. And they were all in the same geographic area, same size homes, same elevation, same amenities. And his price was 10% lower than those two. And I asked him, as a buyer reading that ad, what would you think? And he said, I think we were cutting corners. So it was exactly the opposite message 
of the claims that he was making in terms of his quality. And it happens all the time in business. And so uh, let's now operate under the premise that we want to be the Nordstrom. We want to be the Mercedes. You know, I want to project that image of we are the absolute best. How is that done? I mean, a lot of people look at our industry as commodity-based. You know, there's 10 dog trainers. There's, there's 100 pet sitters. There's 10 different vets within uh, 10 minutes of my home. You know, how do we, how do we become the Mercedes? We become the Mercedes by targeting the people who, to whom image is extremely important. Or innovation, if you've got some new techniques that are going to solve some problems that other people uh, can't solve, those are the kinds of things that you want to tout in your marketing message. And you're going to attract people to whom that's really valuable. And they'll pay whatever price it takes to get there. So you have to position yourself, number one, either to have a very high image level or be very innovative, or maybe some combination of the two. And then when you do that, you tout that, that's your brand promise. If you bring your dog to me, your people are going to be amazed at how well-behaved this dog is. They're going to wonder how talented you are to be able to have a pet that, that's that well-behaved. You know, it enhances the person's image because the mm-hmm. dog is well-trained and behaves well in, in any environment that they're in. Or it might be that there's a particular issue and it's offensive to friends. It's become tiring to friends and family you know, to have this pet doing this on and on. And you remove that, then you get a greater degree of respect and admiration and appreciation. From so you look at those kinds of things and then you position yourself to provide those and that's what you tout. And you say, here's the key. You say no to people who don't want that. And so you're saying we actually want to exclude certain clients or certain customers. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are four criteria that I use in determining whether or not a prospective client is going to be a client or not. And what's really fascinating is that, number one, I attract better referrals because I talk about those all the time. Networking events, wherever I am, somebody asks me who my ideal customer is. I tell them what those four criteria are. And I will get calls that will say, you know, I know you can help this person. I'm not sure they're a good fit for you because, and, and they'll do that. And I use that in the sales call. I will tell prospective clients, these are my criteria. This is where my clients and I enjoy the greatest success. That's how I phrase it. And about 20% of the cases, they'll ask me, do I qualify? You're talking about changing the dynamic of the sales call. 20% of them just turn the reins over to me. Now, even the other 80% realize that it's not their choice alone. This is going to be a collaborative decision about whether or not we're going to work together. And so, I mean, that brings up some great points here because, you know, being in the middle of this economic downturn that we're in, I think a lot of people in our industry will forget that. You know, every industry, a lot of people are thinking, there's no way I'm going to exclude clients. I have to, you know, I have to get whatever I can get right now because, you know, my profits are suffering or this or that. What do you tell somebody that says that? What do you tell somebody that says, I cannot afford to exclude a client? Well, it's, the reason they can't afford to exclude a client is because they're not clear about their brand promise and they're not pricing at a point at which they can make money with a smaller client base, a smaller customer base. And if they did that, they wouldn't be in that situation. So what I counsel them on is and, and work with them on is to become more clear about that brand promise, about that value proposition. And then we communicate it more effectively. And part of what I do is I create sales scripts that, on how to say no gracefully to people that don't fit that profile. You have to start there. 
And so, I mean, this is, this is some excellent information. I hope people are actually taking notes because I don't think many people nowadays are teaching this concept of excluding clients, you know, finding those higher margin clients so that you can actually work with the right amount of people and get actually more dollar figures. Now, again, this is so important for nowadays where we've got this economic downturn. And we're going to go into a break, but when we come back, that's what I want to pick your brain on. A lot of people right now are saying, forget raising my prices. I'm going to be lowering them. I'm going to find out from you if this is something that we can do, if we can actually raise prices. So stay right with us, folks. We're going to come right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash SFDB to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. I play tennis because I love to, but inside, I want to win. Take away the court, the net. I might not be a player, but I'll always be a competitor. Lady Foot Locker understands that. Lady Foot Locker, the first to carry Adidas off-court shoes and the gear that goes with them. If you play your best, there's no regret. Lady Foot Locker, one place, every woman. Go to LadyFootLocker.com and enter the code AFSIX1LF to get 10% off any order of $50 or more. Or enter the code AFSIX. 2LF to get 15% off any order of $75 or more at LadyFootLocker.com. FTD's network of over 40,000 florists around the world have been creating beautiful handcrafted arrangements for 100 years. Each arrangement is delivered the same day and backed by FTD's 7-day satisfaction guarantee. For a century, people have trusted their most important occasions to the flower experts at FTD. Since Pet Life Radio is all about puppy dogs and flowers, our listeners, that's you, can get a 20% discount on your order. Just go to florop.com and use the code SFDB1234 at checkout. F-L-E-U-R-O-P dot com, code word SFDB1234. This year, Americans are expected to spend a jaw-dropping $36 billion on their pets. From lighted leashes to high-end spa products, the discriminating pet owner can find just about anything to pamper his or her pet. Hi, this is Michelle Fern. Join me every week for Best Bets for Pets, where we'll talk about the latest pet products and talk to the companies that make them. Best Bets for Pets, every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Life Radio. Pet 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 Life Radio. 
Okay, and, and we're back, and uh, in our last segment, we're talking with Dale here about uh, about value propositions, about how to find the right client, about how to use the right language so we attract the right client. And we started talking about how in the economic downturn, it's more important than ever to find that right client. So let me ask you this, Dale. Companies all over the world, their profits are down, whether it's a small one-man company or, or huge multi-billion dollar companies, their profits are down. Can we raise prices right now? Is this even possible? Oh, absolutely. In fact, in, in my, the last chapter of my book, Pricing for Profit, the title is The Economy Doesn't Matter. There's a common misconception that buyers become more price sensitive in a down economy. And the reality is that they become more value conscious. And let me give you an everyday example, if I may. If you Let's just envision yourself in the grocery store in the canned goods section and you're reaching for a can of green beans, and it's the name brand that you always buy, and your eye happens upon the store brand, and it's 40 cents a can cheaper, and you think, you know, it's a tough economy, you know, money's tight. I'll give it a try. So you take a store brand green beans and a store brand corn and and take it home, and that night you fix the green beans and find that they're mushy and they're bland, and you end up pitching most of them down the garbage disposal. The next time you go to the store, what are you going to buy? The name brand or the store brand? You're going to buy the name brand. The name brand, right. Why? Because it's a better value even though the price is higher. Now, the next night, you hesitantly fix the corn and are pleasantly surprised to find it's every bit as good as the name brand that you normally buy. What are you going to buy when you go to the store the next time? The store brand. The store brand. Again, it's a better value. Same quality, lower price. So what we see here is both of those are value decisions. They're not price decisions. Those are value decisions. The only price decision was to try a lower-priced alternative. But if the value isn't there, you're going to go right back to what you were doing before. And that's what the, your, your listeners need to understand, is that, yes, during a down economy, some buyers are going to try lower-priced alternatives, but when they find it's not as good as what you're offering, they're going to be right back. And I think that's a great example. Uh, you know, I think that really applies to our industry, whether it's pet sitting or veterinary offices or, or what have you. You know, if people see the value, I think you're right. I think they are willing to pay. And so uh, let me ask you this, though. I'm guessing we probably just can't go raising our prices willy-nilly and, and just say to ourselves, okay, Dale told me I can raise my prices in a recession. I'm going to do it. I'm guessing we just can't do that. What are the prerequisites to be able to raise our prices? Well, one of the things is to take a look at, at some of the dissatisfaction that customers have with what you're doing or what the industry is doing. And you look at ways to incorporate things into your offerings that overcome them. That's one aspect of it. The second thing is that you then bundle those in in ways that make it difficult for potential buyers to do apples-to-apples comparison between what you're offering and what others in your industry are offering. And I almost say competitors, but my belief is that if you have competitors, you don't have an effective strategy. But that's a discussion for another day. So you want to bundle those in a way that makes it more convenient for the buyer, gives them primarily what it is that they're looking for, offers them several different budget options, and then allows them to choose from there. That's how you get around that. You know, I give you an example. I had a horse trainer referred to me, and she, when she got around the colony, had a 95% vacancy in her barn. So we redefined her ideal customer, her brand promise. We rebundled her offerings, primarily to hide the fact we were raising prices 33%. 
and then uh, created the marketing messages and the sales scripts to go along with that. Within 60 days, she went from a 95% vacancy to a 5% vacancy. She picked up wow. 25 new weekly writing lessons. She had so many horses for a show one weekend, she had to build some temporary stalls, and somebody approached her to help design a 100-jumper arena. Wow, I love that example. I mean, because it's obviously exactly our industry. I don't know if we get a whole lot of horse trainers, but we, boy, we get a lot of dog trainers listening to this show and pet sitters and other people. Um, and that's all I hear. You know, I've got uh, just down the street from me, maybe four or 500 yards, we've got a big horse barn that used to be just pumping and, and doing great. And nowadays, I know the owner and they're losing $5,000 a month. And they're telling me that nobody can do well in this economy with a luxury item like horses. But what you're saying is people are still spending money right now. They're just looking to make sure that wherever their money's going, it's justified and they're seeing the value. Is that a pretty good way to well, sum it it's up? Where they're spending it on things that are most important to them. So if they're, let's say that they're pet lovers and they like to travel and they like to eat out. But when you, when you look at those three, their primary interest, what's most important to them are their pets. Yes, they like to travel, but they'll forego some of that to make sure that their pets are well taken care of. They'll forego going out to eat on a regular basis. Maybe they'll cut back on that. But they're going to spend the money on what's most important to them. So what you want to target are the people who have that kind of passion for their pets. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones who are going to spend on the higher-end items, and they're going to treat their pets. I may treat their pets before they treat themselves. (laughs) But... uh, because it's that important to them. I mean, they love their pets that much. They're part of the family, and you know, we like to take care of family members. So, you know, but that's the kind of psychology that's at play, and that's what you have to tap into with your marketing and your branding, and, and, the, and then the pricing has to be congruent with that. Well, let me ask you, Dale, what are, uh, in your career, in your years of doing this, what are some big mistakes you've seen people make when they're trying to increase prices or set the prices where they need them to be? What are some big mistakes you've seen? Well, for startups and early stage companies, the one I see most often is the mistake that that home builder was making. They're trying to use pricing to create name awareness, and, and that's not the role of pricing. Pricing should support the marketing claims, and the marketing is what should build that name awareness for you. With uh, more established companies, what I see is that, and, and it's that actually we're going into one of the most dangerous parts of the economy. With this recovery, and I know it's a slow recovery, but as more and more people become employed and they have more discretionary income, that's the really the most dangerous time for a business. Because what happens is people will begin to buy things that they're only moderately interested in. And sellers look at that, those people coming and say, hey, there's a whole market out here. The only thing is I have to drop my price 5 or 10% in order to get these people because they're not going to pay full price. But... And look at the volume I could do. Well, what they don't realize is that when they drop the price for, to get those people, number one, they have to drop it for their primary customers as well, their ideal customers. So they're giving up that revenue. And then when the next shiny object comes along that, that grabs their attention, this moderately interested buyer's attention, or the economy turns down again, those people all go away. They're, they quit spending on those things because it really wasn't that important to them to begin with. And then the business owner is left with all this infrastructure they created to handle that volume, 
and they're trying to support it on lower margins because they discount it to get the business. Gotcha. I mean, this is, like it's I said, this is, some, <laughs> it's a double out. <laughs> this is some great stuff because, like I say, I'd be willing to bet that there's a high percentage of people in our industry, you know, a high percentage of trainers and groomers, all they're thinking about is how can I get the lowest price? And maybe that's not all they're thinking of, but that's one of the biggest mindsets that they have is let me get lower than my competitor. And so, like I say, I hope uh, I hope people have been listening and taking notes and realizing that uh, you know if we do things right, if we provide the right quality, the right service, like you said, there there aren't really competitors, you know, because uh, you know there's no one else that can provide what we provide, and uh, and that's what a competitor is, someone that can do the same thing that we do. And so, if our value propositions are the right way, I see what you're saying. We really don't have a competitor to deal with. And so, before we finish up here, I loved your story about the horse trainer. And uh, I really think that people, when they hear stories, it really pushes them to action. And so what do you think? Do you have another story that you could share with us that illustrates these points really well of how to raise prices or, or the results that can happen from raising prices properly? Sure. Uh, let me give you an example that uh, my book came out, my book, Pricing for Profit, came out uh, around September of 2009. And just a few weeks after that, this insurance agent, he's a property casualty insurance agent for businesses, came up to me and said, Dale, I only got 40 pages into your book when I called on a prospect and presented my package and found out I was 25% higher than my competitors. And he said, my natural inclination was to cut my price and, and of course, my commissions in the process to get that business. And then I remembered what you said about selling value and I shifted gears and I started comparing my policies, my package to the competitors' packages, and he said, I not only got the business, I got a referral. What I really love about this story, Ty, is that this was September of 09, September, October of 09. We were in the heart of the recession. So here we are in the worst recession in seven decades, and this guy is selling something nobody wants. I don't know anybody <laughs> wakes up in the morning and says, all right, I get to buy insurance today. You know, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen. And yet he got 25% more because he was communicating the value effectively and he could substantiate a higher price on that value. And so if we were to give uh, our listeners today homework, would you say that's the biggest piece of homework is to determine what their value is and how they can project that to their, their potential clients? Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the quickest ways to do it is to look at their tagline is, you know, because the tagline should communicate within about a half a dozen or eight words what that value proposition is. And when they can state that clearly enough, and it has to be what it is the customer's going to get, then you know, if they've got that, then they've got a great launch pad for communicating the value more effectively and getting higher prices. If they can't do that, then they're going to need to get some help, whether it's me or somebody else, but they're going to need somebody to help them with it. Because if you don't have a clear picture of that, there's really no way to make the rest of it happen. Awesome. No, this is excellent information. So if our listeners want to get in touch with you, check out your blog, find your books or your services, how can they go ahead and do that? Well, the, uh, the blog is at pricingforprofitbook.com, and there are pricing, branding, marketing uh, tips out there, sales tips as well. There are some confidential self-assessments available to them there so they can kind of see where they are in the process and get a sense for that. They can call me at 314-707-3771. That's 314-707-3771. 
or they can send me an email at dale at fertlingler.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for this information. Thank you for being on the call today. I really hope people are going to take this information and and apply it. So thanks again for being on the call. Well, thank you for having me, Ty. Absolutely. And we want to thank Dale. And uh, we want to thank the producers that make this show possible. And uh, again, I hope you listeners out there are taking this information and running with it. Now is the time that we as business owners can gain market share over competitors or potential competitors by really uh, by really taking our business practices to the next level. So we'll talk to you again soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.